interesting point, you know, the hippie movement, you know, because the whole thing had been, you must get this education, you must get this family life, and you must get the home in the suburbs. And But then, you know, about the middle to late 60s, you know, a lot. some people, not a lot at the beginning, started saying, oh, you know, my parents did that, and my parents were not happy. Mm. They just branched off and said, well, you know, we're going to have our own path and enjoy what we want to enjoy. And so it was, it was just, you know, a hodgepodge, do what you want kind of thing, which didn't make anybody happy either. And that's when Srila Bhaktivedanta Swami came into the whole movement and said, no, no, you guys need some direction here. You will never be happy doing this. You know, I have a formula for true happiness. If you want to be really happy, then do this. And he started introducing the no-discipline world of these, you know, hippies into the world of, of spiritual life and happiness and and discipline and, you know, you don't do these things. And he gave the reasons why. He first started with who you are. You are not your bodies. You are spirit soul. He, he started with that. You know, This is who you are. And the reason you cannot be happy by these other means of free love and, you know, free drugs and free everything is because it's not going to satisfy you, the spirit soul. Hey guys, welcome to the Breaking Trail Podcast. Ruben here, and we are going to discuss discipline today. This is an episode we recorded in uh, September 2021 when Emma Raducandu, the 18-year-old, won the U.S. Open. Valaki and me will speak about how the same principles uh, that are so important in spiritual life is required for material success as well. Hard work, discipline, respect, and having a higher goal. And uh, taking the example of how Bhaktivedanta Swami came to the hippie movement, the no discipline, do whatever you want, floaty, new age uh, kind of lifestyles, brought this deep understanding to them that allowed them to be really happy and enter the world of real spiritual life, happiness and discipline. I thought we'd talk about you know, kind of just the idea of chanting, but this is also a part of, just another part of what we can talk about. Is this discipline, yeah. Chinese discipline, this Chinese Romanian tennis star. Yeah. <laughs> she just, you, you heard about her? I heard you speak about her. <laughs> That's what I heard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, so you... You didn't read it in the news. <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> okay. It's going to be gone soon if you don't read it. Oh. It'll be finished. Oh. Because it happened September oh. 11th. Oh, oh, I see, I see. I see. So, But she's still on the front page. You said the video had 200 million views. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just some one view, one... Hashtag had 200 million views. Wow. And the video of her commenting about her 
Chinese uh, in Mandarin. It, that's the that's the language of China, right? Yeah. Mandarin. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, she gave some message to the Chinese people in Mandarin. It's got over a million and something views. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so. Chinese everywhere. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's what I thought we'd talk about is is chanting and read Bhaktivinoda Thakur's message about chanting. Oh, cool. Perfect. <laughs> I um, yeah. no, it's, I I uh, just quickly looking through Srimad Bhagavatam about some mentions of, of this discipline, but you you already have some quotes, so that's good. Quotes in my head only. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just come from the head. I don't come from the pages. <laughs> Air quotes. It's just it's just a point, you know. Yeah. That, yeah. You know, spiritual life is based on discipline. You know, any yoga system that you may, you know, entertain is always stress and discipline. Yeah. But it goes outside of this, you know, the yoga system to everyday life. I mean, hmm. That's one thing that's missing heavily in. In life today is 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 discipline and and another point about this this girl this she's eighteen years old hmm. Emma her name is Emma Radu Kanu that may not be pronounced right but her mother is Chinese her father is Romanian and she lives in the UK hmm. she grew up in the UK. But, you know, she's become this world-famous tennis star because she won the U.S. Open and uh, very prestigious. And, and interesting enough, her opponent was also a teenager. What? It, was a, it was a teenage really? shootout, so to speak. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, but... When asked about her success and so on, she said, you know, it was her training at home. She said, my mother's, you know, training was always hard work and discipline. Huh. And that's the Chinese lifestyle, really. I mean, that's their culture. You know, and she said her grandmother was so resilient, you know, just in her discipline and determination that nothing could bring her down. And so she grew up with this kind of training. Yeah. So it's, it's it's made this huge impact on her life, and she's still, you know, in that consciousness. Yeah. Because of what you get at home, this is the main point. I mean, that's where the training should begin. Mm. At home, I mean, that's that's the system, right? That's what parents' role is. That's their obligation is to train. The children, yeah. yeah, and how they train the children will have a large impact on what their child becomes. Yeah. We've talked yeah. about this a little bit exactly. before. Yeah, we have. I remember. You know, but as mm. society progresses, so to speak, the discipline at home and the training at home actually diminishes more and more. And the example in home is is not a worthy example 
to follow. No, it's it's, it's more like you so you do what you want and you, you they bend you to do the will what of you the want and child. Or or the parents are doing things and have a lifestyle that's not, you know, exemplary in a positive way for the kids, you know, and they just emulate what they see or the training that they get. And, uh, yeah, I just read about this this drug lord, you know, and, and he was, he was, not was, is also Chinese. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, biggest drug lord in the world, you know, and he was a big in heroin. He started off very simple. Anyway, got into the heroin business and, and had huge success. <laughs> he was operating out of the, the Golden Triangle, which is Cambodia, Laos, and Thailand, where the three countries come together. Wow. It's kind of a triangle right there, and this is the big production area for opium. Uh, well, poppy is and then that made into opium and heroin. So most of the heroin, uh, some huge percentage, comes from that small area. And it's, it's pure and it's high quality and whatever, whatever. And so anyway, finally, he got busted, went to jail, spent nine years in jail. But in jail, he met... You know, another person, which isn't normally the case, that was very expert in, you know, the drug trade. And they kind of traded notes and, <laughs> you know, kind of got trained up in each other's expertise. And he was still running, you know, a big business out of, uh, out of jail while he was still in jail. <laughs> then when he got out, he, uh, he had now been introduced to... Meta-amphetamines, you know, meth. Yes. And so he got into that business. <clears throat> and anyway, he became the biggest meth master in the world. You know, 31, well, they say that his business was like 30 to $61 billion a year. Wow. And... uh Anyway, eventually he got caught again, you know, years later, I think 2006 to 2019, he operated and he just got caught again. But anyway, all that's just, you know, the details. But he said when he grew up, his mother had like um, seven kids or something. And he, he didn't grow up in China. I think he grew up in Hong Kong or something. But his, uh, his mother didn't have time to, to look after all the kids. And so he was just left, you know, to spend a lot of time on the street. Oh. And that's where he got into a bad association and developed all these, you know, bad habits and, and consciousness and so on. So that's a, back to the same point, you know. He didn't have that home training. Right. It was just not there for him. So he just went out and did what he wanted. You know, 12 years old, he's doing this, and he gave some, you know, timeline of what happened in what years. And, no. and he became, that was the result of him. Yeah. So it's so important what we get at home. <laughs> and uh, 
But if the parents don't have the training, then they can't pass anything on. And but, so the Vedic system, which we're always, you know, promoting, is all about home training. You know, parents have their that obligation, you know. Yeah. In fact, the Vedas actually say that one should not become a mother, a father, or <clears throat> a political leader, or a, a teacher, like a school teacher, or any leadership position, unless they can teach their followers, you know, this absolute knowledge, and basically take the role of spiritual guide and, and free them from the wheel of birth and death. I mean, that's a huge responsibility, but that's the responsibility that automatically comes with being in those various yeah. positions of authority. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But even, I mean, so, that's even, I mean, how often are you landing? How, how many people are coming to such a position of authority even to because they full-heartedly want to serve others and how many do it because of you know i mean even yeah i mean the numbers are like non-existent yeah something's echoing Ooh. yeah sounds like you're <laughs> underwater <laughs> yeah i i just i just went swimming <laughs> tuba dive <laughs> all right just a short swim okay you're back now thanks yeah, i'm back <laughs> So, anyway, if you you look at the the value of the yoga system, mm -hmm. and you know if one follows the yoga system, I mean the teaching is there. What value it is across the board throughout society, you know, because parents that are following the system will, of course, educate their child in you know the the material things they need to know reading writing arithmetic as they said when i grew up mm. <laughs> the three r's r's reading writing r i d and arithmetic not arithmetic uh. yeah that was a, a saying that you know the three r's you must you know excel in the three r's <laughs> so anyway of course that's necessary but also the spiritual training You know, in the discipline, you've got to control your senses. That's what the yoga system is. You've got to control the senses, you know, and make it so you are the master of the senses. But for that to be a reality, somebody has to train you to take that responsibility to train your own senses, Excellent. you know, to, to not see it as a good thing to let the mind and the senses run wild and try to fulfill every desire that pops up, you know, when you view some object of the senses, you know, try to follow the desire to enjoy that. And well, that's the same cetera, metaphor as raising, raising kids as well. I mean, I just like the metaphor there is this kind of analogies is kind of the same because when you raise kids, kids can be like your mind, you know, that can be a metaphor for your mind. You know, they want to do all different kinds of things. Do you change that by letting them satisfy their desires of doing this and this? Or do you try to, you know, give them another task or, you know, do you try yeah, to satisfy them? Or just say no. Or just say no. I mean, there's a word, it's simple, two letters, no. <laughs> you know, but 
somehow people are afraid to say that. You know, you can't refrain your kid. You can't discipline your kid. (laughs) You can't tell them no because somehow this will damage them psychologically. (laughs) I mean, that's the new age philosophy that that many parents follow. And, and you know, oh, that might damage them psychologically. But, you know, my generation, at least in my family, and the people I knew, all my friends, I mean, we were raised with that word no, (laughs) very common, (laughs) you know. And I didn't see anybody get psychologically damaged from it, (laughs) you know. And when I went to my friend's house, their parents were not afraid to tell me no either. Yeah. It wasn't like yeah, yeah, yeah. only my mom and dad yeah. could tell me no. I but when I went to my friend's house, his mom and his dad could also tell me no. Hmm. You know. But and they say, No, you can't do that. And I was taught to respect my elders and respect I, I was, them. I was just gonna say because I think maybe parents want to be in you know, want to have the capacity or the possibility of saying no, but then the kid completes completely, uh, you know, revolts and and has this big reaction to it, or or doesn't accept it, does it anyway? So so like, what comes first? How do you get them to do that? Then how do you get into the well, habit you, of doing that? You you can't start saying no way down the road somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you just let them do whatever they want until you reach a certain seven, eight, nine, whatever years it is, and then you start doing this and it's too late. You know, mm. you lost them already. Yeah. And uh, no, it has to start from the beginning, you know, from the very, very beginning. They learn from the beginning what they learn. Yeah. So out of, out of the gate, day one, they start learning, you know, discipline, the word no, respect your elders, you know, there's right, there's wrong. This is good, this is bad, don't do this, don't do that, do this, do that. Then it's nothing new here. Mm. You know, this is like common. <laughs> this yeah. is, and uh, like I say, when, when I grew up, not only me and my family, but all my friends and all my sister's friends and every kid was basically taught like that. So it wasn't like I went to another house and they just went wild and do anything they want. And, <laughs> uh, you know, it was the same standard, you know, across the boards. And that just was normal. Which is so important. That's, that's what yeah. kid life was. Yeah. yeah. And we went to school. Nobody had to teach us these things. Yeah. The teacher didn't spend... 99% of her energy trying to <laughs> discipline exactly. the class. Exactly. <laughs> you know, everybody was already, you know, trained yeah. Yeah. before you went to school at age six or five or whatever time it was. Yeah. And then, you know, she could teach exactly how what much. Her, her position was. And she didn't have to just be, be the new disciplinarian in your life for the first because time. no one else tires to do it the parents at home don't want to do it so they hope that the the, parent, yeah. <laughs> the school will fix it <laughs> and then if the teacher does discipline the kid and the kid goes home and tells the parents yeah. the parents come it's after the kid big, after the teacher it's a big problem yeah. yeah you know who are you to tell my kid what yeah. to do 
you know, and then there's a whole conflict there. My, Parents after the teacher. My, my mom is a teacher, and she said that the same thing has has happened. Like, whereas before, when I was when I was young, when I was being in trouble at school, you know, that happens sometimes, and you know. They they told my mother and she said okay let's have a meeting about it. and she listened to the teachers who respected their authority and and uh, you know it wasn't like oh he's my prince he's always right <laughs> like no but she accepted that yeah. but nowadays she says it's it, it's she barely dares <clears throat> to I mean, to say something because yeah the, you have that reaction the parents then come and they chastise the teacher for <laughs> you know disciplining the kid. Yeah. And that difficult. reinforces the kid's whole deviant behavior. And his position as a master and the one who's right. And yeah, exactly. His behavior. Y you know, yeah, my parents yeah. backed me up. Yeah, exactly. Wow. <laughs> I, know, I, I know, not personally know, but I know of, you know, a lot of teachers that just quit. Yeah. Because it, it wasn't what they signed up for. Yeah. They, didn't, they didn't sign up for that new role. Yeah. You know, they signed up as a teacher. They had something to offer the, the students. And when that wasn't a possible, or the, you know, they couldn't even say what they needed to say, they just quit, hmm. you know, wow. walked away. Wow. I don't need this. You know, so, yeah, it's a big problem. But it was just so, I just read these this article about this, this you know, Emma, the the tennis star and you know she said that was that was what made it possible for her to succeed in the way she did yeah you know just carry on regardless mm. you know hard work discipline respect and the result is very good you know mm. so spiritual life and and so-called material life you know are not that different. If you if you want the highest level of material life, you've got to apply spiritual principles to achieve it. You know, mm. the respect, the discipline, the hard work, the higher goal, you know, those common, you know, things in the yoga systems of all systems, but it doesn't only have to be, you know, quote, official yoga systems, any spiritual system teaches the same thing. Yeah. You know, people say, oh, well, that's yoga, but I'm a Christian or I'm a, you know, <laughs> uh, a Muslim or whatever. It's, it's the same as spiritual principles. It's not some sectarian thing. No. You know, and, and if you, you find a position, a person in, with that kind of training enters into a, a political position, Mm. They carry that with mm. them. They don't leave mm. that out the door somewhere mm. and come in there and just be, you know, a completely different person. They're, they're qualified political leaders. Yeah. You know. And. Uh, but then you also. Unfortunately. <laughs> go ahead. No, I mean, you also know why you do things. Isn't that kind of an important factor as well? Perhaps when raising kids, would you say that they know, like why there is that why that is wrong and why that is good and why why the rule is like this which feels like it's missing in some some religious groups you're missing the link like why why do we do this and why is that wrong like what is the bigger picture here yes it has to be education it has to be 
not only you must do this, but this is the reason. Yeah. Just like you said, yeah. you know. Because if you do this, this will be the re one result. If you do this, this will be another result. Exactly. exactly. See? Mm -hmm. And obviously, this is a better result than this. You know, don't do anything blindly. Do it out of a conscious decision that this is the best. <clears throat> but until a person reaches a certain age, they don't have the the you know, freedom to take that responsibility yeah. of I make my own decisions. Yeah. You know, up until a certain time, they're not deemed responsible enough to make the right decisions, you know. So therefore, they still need to be, you know, tutored or, you know, guided or or restricted, if you will. Yeah, you yeah. So on and so on and so on, mm. and it's 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 funny what you said. This uh, a friend of I I I think he's an old friend of yours, Krishna Katha. He, yeah. He so he, so he said that after the kid is like uh, well up to up to the age of two, you have to you have to serve the kid in the beginning with his basic needs and help you know because he's. Kind of helpless little <laughs> little creature, you know. But at two years, at least, like around the time of two years of age, you you need to switch that role from serving to he's he's not the master anymore. He's not the high, you know, the the the, the head of the family. Like he needs to learn that he's he's his position. That's yeah, like that is subordinate position. Yeah. yeah. And it's going to be hard, he said, but I mean, you got to do it. <laughs> like <laughs> You have to do it. I mean, I uh, I used to fly a lot before COVID. I was on an airplane every two weeks, sometimes every week, you know, going from one country to another and so on. So I saw a lot of parent-kid interactions, you know, on airplanes. You see them at the yeah. airport, and, you know. <laughs> Many, many times the kids were just absolutely out of control, you know, and just the parents had no control at all. But it was too late. These kids had never been trained. But you see other parents, and it was basically the opposite, yeah. you know. The parent would tell the kid, okay, come over here, sit down, give them something to play with, you know, and, and they, they could... The other one's running up and down the aisles of the plant and, you know, screaming and, you know, just going wild. And if the parents tried to stop them or restrain them in any way, they threw a tantrum and, you know, everybody on the plane is just going, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so it's, it's, a, it's a real issue here. And society is just kids that are grown up. Exactly. You know, the... Yeah. The, the functioning, active members of society are just grown-up kids. They, they came up from wherever they did, yeah. you know, and they take their various positions in society, you know, of leadership or, or not leadership. Mm. And uh, what they got from, from the beginning is, is what they still have or don't have. Yeah. And yeah. So it's uh, it's important. It is very important. Mm. 
So the 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 spiritual system, you know, is is a perfect system. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I was raised a Christian. I, I, you know, said that many times, and this was just what you did. That was the teaching of Christianity. That was the teaching of the Bible, you know. And it was it was nothing unusual. Mm -hmm. It was not like some weird sect, some where there was, you know, harming their kids. It was like, yeah, and everybody was, was better off for it. We were all better off for it, mm. you know. Mm. And kids had, had duties to perform. They had work to do. They just couldn't sit in front of a, a, a screen all day. Yeah. You know, there weren't much screens to sit in front of, but, you know, I'd go to see my friend, and, you know, he had to farm next to ours, and I'd go to, oh, oh, Larry, let's go down to the river and go swimming. Or, you know, and his dad would say, now, Johnny, you can stay here. You can, you can be with Larry all the day if you want, but you got to work because he's got to work. And if you're going to be here, you got to work too. <laughs> oh, wow. you know? If I didn't have any work to do, I mean, I didn't obviously at home. That's why I was there, you know, then I'd just jump in. You know, and we're working together and we're having fun together as working. Wow. You know, <laughs> doing the farm chores, whatever the, the duties were for that time and, and place. Yeah. And, you know, then after we did our work, it's, it's, okay, now you guys can go down and go swimming or, you know, do whatever you want to do. Ride your bikes or, or whatever. And, yeah, it was cool. You know, I never felt, you know, angry or restrained or disappointed, you know. We got to be together. We yeah, got yeah. to have a good time together. Yeah, yeah. And you took part as well. You took part of the work that had to be done, which is, yeah. Was, yeah, which made it go quicker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, so we could go out and do whatever. Hmm. Yeah, it was nice. It was very nice. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know if it's ever going to come back to that, but there's value there. And so <clears throat> now, you know, we have a worldwide community of people following the bhakti yoga system. And, you know, there's people, parents, fathers and mothers who are having children, you know, and they're, you know, in that position themselves now. But the ones who were raised, you know, more freelance, do whatever you want, are having a harder time, you know, doing what they should do as parents than the ones who who uh, had their own training and they just passing it down and it just becomes easy for them. Hmm. Hmm. So, go ahead, it's just some musings from that that one article I read about <laughs> this uh, this young girl, but 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 and this is something that we've spoken of before. I think that uh, that the reason is kind of important because you, I mean, and and there's there's a quote from the I read about discipline and motivation. That's spoke about like motivation is is fading, but discipline grows after time, and that discipline is a lifestyle. But but again. Yeah, the, the the why has to be a big part here of of like growing that discipline. Like this this girl who made the, like the tennis player, like uh, 
still like had a hard work but she she's kind of had a like she's she, i'm sure she had a this goal that she was going to achieve you know what i mean like that was really important to her and and everything was worth that goal yeah yeah of course. <laughs> yeah we got to have a goal and that's another thing that's missing what is the goal <laughs> yeah you know and for most people it's just enjoy the senses but it's not a real goal it's just like you know temporary momentary sensual pleasures yeah you know and the goal might be to well you know do as many bad things as you can <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go into detail, but, you know. Yeah, yeah, and then, and then I'm, yeah. I'm I'm the best at doing the bad things, you know. But that's not a goal. I mean, you know, that that's no goal. No, so there's no future in in that. Like without the goal, there's no future. It's just uh, whatever is here now. You know, everything's good now. Be happy here and now. But but like, where do you want to go? <laughs> kind of thing yeah what do you want to do with your life yeah yeah and a lot of times people just they don't know mm. i mean they have no idea what they should do with their life mm. you know <laughs> and you know if you just say what do you want to do with your life then you're back in well it's just what i want to do you know it's like i'm the authority here and yeah i want to do nothing yeah i, I want to i don't want to work i, I want to you know, not do the things that, you know, are constructive. I want to just be a lazy bum, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I see. So, mm. you know, it's got to be some higher authority that tells you not, not what you want to do, but what you should do. There has to be somewhere that principle enters into the formula. You know, like, you know, the whole idea of get an education, you know, well, that's what you should do. That's not the goal in life that's going to make you happy, you know. But at least, you know, it's not like so whimsical that I don't need an education, I don't need this, I don't need that. Interesting point, you know, the hippie movement, see, you missed that, but I didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, or maybe you were there in another body, so you, you might not have missed it either. You, know, you might have been right there. We might have been. I, I just right can't there. remember it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, one lifetime later, you just don't remember. But anyway, you know that was that was the the basis of the hippie movement. You know, because the whole thing had been: you must get this education. You must get this family life and you must get the home in the suburbs and, you know, just be middle class, uh, you know, America, because that was in America, middle class America and whatever, whatever. And that'll make you happy. I mean, that was the goal. Yeah. And, and people worked very hard to reach that goal. But then, you know, about the middle to late 60s, you know, a lot. some people, not a lot, at the beginning started saying, oh, and my parents did that. You know, I was raised in that family that achieved that goal, and my parents were not happy. Yeah. Mm. And so, therefore, 
it didn't work. I want to take another direction in life. And so that was kind of where it branched off instead of just, you know, like a robot following this, this example. Yeah. Mm. They just branched off and said, well, you know, we're going to have our own path and enjoy what we want to enjoy and everything society says not to do, we're going to do it. And that's basically what they did. <laughs> so it was, it was just, you know, a hodgepodge, do what you want kind of thing, which didn't make anybody happy either. Yeah. And that's when Srila Bhaktivedanta Swami came into the whole movement of, of this free lifestyle and said, no, no, you guys need some direction here. You will never be happy doing this. You know, I have a formula for true happiness. If you want to be really happy, then do this. And he started introducing the no-discipline world of these, you know, hippies into the world of, of spiritual life and happiness and, and discipline and, you know, you don't do these things. And he gave the reasons why, just like you were, yeah. you know, saying is important. Don't do this. He first started with who you are. You are not your bodies. You are spirit soul. He, he started with that ground level introduction to truth. You know, this is who you are. And the reason you cannot be happy by these other means of free love and, you know, free drugs and free everything is because it's not going to satisfy you, the spirit soul, you know. And people are already kind of getting disillusioned, you know, about, well, I'm doing all this stuff and I'm just bummed, you know, now I got a, you know, drug addiction and, you know, I've got no money, I'm living in the street and, you know, <laughs> had two or three rounds of venereal disease and, you know, I'm cold and whatever, whatever. Yeah. So, you know, some people were interested in this. Wow. Like like one person who who took the you know Bhaktivedanta's teachings and, and followed him was saying, you know, we were all looking for a high, and drugs produced that. But we wanted a natural high, something that wasn't drug dependent. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, this was a, a way to actually achieve the goal we were already seeking and experiencing, but much more on a real level, you know. And so that's what her experience was, and it, she was convinced yeah. from, from that, that this is really what I truly am looking for, yeah. you know, happiness, freedom, but not freedom you know, to let the senses go wild, but freedom from the illusions of life, you know, the the false promises of, you know, this will make you happy and that will make you happy, you know, and not destroying my body and mind with, with drugs and, you know, all the other things that floated around that world. Yeah. So she, you know, she could see this is some something real. You know, and he was bringing this ancient knowledge and explaining, and he was, you know, so convincing 
yeah. that you know thousands of of young people who their parents couldn't control, the governments couldn't control, nobody could control, became new people, new consciousness, new direction in life, new goal, new determination, new inspiration. You know, because and it was just like, wow. I, I guess you're just tired of the of the fake, you know, and then someone tells you, something that rings true really really rings true and it may be hard you may have to change but it's like you're ready for that like you've been through the trying this and trying that and nothing works and then i mean it's like wow yeah. let's go for this yeah. i mean i i can i, I wasn't mm -hmm. in that era but i can totally relate to what you're saying <laughs> from my personal experience yeah. as well yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know and, and they saw their heroes dying of drugs you know yeah you know the 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 great rock stars you know the singers you know jim morrison or you know janis joplin or jimi hendrix and you know i mean these were the, the 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 heroes the idols the you know and they just saw them dying you know age 27 boom they die age 20 three or four of them died at age 27 like okay you can go to 27 <laughs> and then that's the end you know <laughs> It was it was unique how that took place. You know, we kind of spaced out over a short period of time. Really, they several of them left their bodies at twenty seven <laughs> years old, drug overdoses. You know, and uh, you know, so they were getting a, the message, but they didn't know what else to do. They didn't want to go back to the illusion they just left, but they didn't want to continue in this illusion either. Mm. So they saw, well, here's something that's not an illusion. It's real. It's eternal. It's absolute truth. Yeah. You know, and when they began to experience that, they they were knowing, yeah, this is, this is not the same. This is absolutely different. You know, mm. and and like a friend of mine told me recently, you know, before she she met these teachings and started applying bhakti yoga in her life, you know, and it's, she said, you know, I was so unhappy, I was so miserable, you know, and she was like a second generation hippie. I mean, and she, she he wasn't in that hippie era, but she was trying to play the game after that was <laughs> over, you know, like in the 90s or something. Okay, yeah. And, uh, you know, like, copy copy that because it must have been cool mm. there was the, the, like you know anyway <laughs> and she said but suicide wasn't an option because I wanted to live but I wanted to live differently mm. you know I wanted to live and be happy you know and then she so she wasn't contemplating suicide she said I didn't want to die I wanted to live but I wanted to live differently mm. and that's a very you know, profound way to put out what people are feeling in their heart. I don't want to not live, but I want to live differently. Yeah. yeah. And here was a different way to live. Yeah. He heard the teachings. He, you know, took to the process. And here it was, a way to live differently. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, yeah, it's... <laughs> It's very, very uh, educational, but 
Our time is flying. I wanted to read some. I was going to say you had some quote from, or no? Yeah, uh, we're always on our podcast talking about chanting. Oh, you know, we talk about this, that, some subject, and take it where it goes, and then, but chant. <laughs> and this will, this will change everything. This is the ultimate activity. I mean, that's where they all go, right? Yeah. All of our discussions. <laughs> so, in our disciplic line, and if one someone has missed that meaning, disciplic line means there's a line of teachers that this knowledge has come through, descended through a line of perfect masters. And this is called the disciplic succession or parampara. And the original source of all this knowledge is the Supreme Lord. And then it passes down through his pure representatives. So, five spiritual masters back in our lineage is the great spiritual master Vaishnava, devotee of the Lord, Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur. And he was very prolific in writing. And one of the things he wrote is called Chant Anyway. So I wanted to read this. This is, this is geared toward people who are already chanting, but it's also very, very revealing to those who are not chanting. He says, your mind is wandering all over the universe when you chant. <laughs> chant anyway. Your mind is wandering to the past and the future when you chant. Chant anyway. You are not able to concentrate on Krishna's names while you chant. Chant anyway. You have no taste for chanting. Chant anyway. You have lusty desires. Chant anyway. You are making offenses in chanting. Chant anyway. You are not praying to Krishna to help you chant better. Chant anyway. You often chant late at night. Chant anyway. So why? Why should you chant despite all the above obstacles? So this is back to the why. Mm, exactly. Knowing why. This is why. There is no vow like chanting the holy name. No knowledge superior to it. No meditation which comes anywhere near it. And it gives the highest result. No penance is equal to it. And nothing is as potent or powerful as the holy name. Chanting is the greatest act of piety and the supreme refuge. Even the words of the Vedas do not possess sufficient power to describe its magnitude. Chanting is the highest path to liberation, peace, and eternal life. It is the pinnacle of devotion, the heart's joyous proclivity and attraction, 
and the best form of remembrance of the Supreme Lord. The Holy Name has appeared solely for the benefit of the living entities as their Lord and Master, their supreme worshipable object, and their spiritual guide and mentor. Whoever continuously chants Lord Krishna's holy name, even in his sleep, can easily realize that the name is a direct manifestation of Krishna himself, in spite of the influences of Kali Yuga. And this is from the Saranagati, the Adi Purana of Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur. Wow. <laughs> so that is the reason why. And leading up to that was chant anyway, no matter what's going on. In your head, you're making offenses, you have no taste. I don't want to do this. Chant anyway. There's where some determination comes in. Yeah, exactly. Some discipline. Exactly. I will chant. Exactly. Because as we know, you know, from having done this for some years, you know, I know, all those who have done it, there's always ups and downs. Yeah. You know, there's times when it's so easy to chant and you're so wanting to chant, and you're so enthusiastic to chant. And then there's times when, you know, it's it's not like that, you know. It's not so easy. There's all the, all these other things to do. There's, there's attractions and there's, you know, all this distraction going on. <laughs> but if you've got that principle, I'm going to chant mm. today, every day. You know, like the alcoholics, you know, one of their main uh, uh, tools that they use is one day at a time. You yeah. Know? Not like I'm never going to drink again. <laughs> yeah. It's like today, yeah. I'm not going to yeah, drink. Yeah. One day at a time. So we need to apply that same idea. One day at a time. Today, I'm going to chant. Yeah. And then tomorrow is the same. Today, <laughs> because every day, like like we could say, is different. Yeah. Today I really want to chant. Today yeah. I don't want to chant yeah. at all. Yeah. Today I'm so enthusiastic. Today, you know, I'm just got no enthusiasm. You know, or I got so much to do, I don't have time to chant. You know, whatever. My mind is not into it. You know, this happened and whatever. No, you chant anyway. No matter what, stricture, discipline, chant anyway. Wow. <laughs> that's that's what must be done, you know. Yeah. And you know, even if we've been so loose and had no uh, discipline our whole life, it's never too late. Yeah. We can start. I says, "What I'm going to do?" And then all the reasons why, you know, there's no vow like chanting the holy name. No vow. The, the, you know, scriptures of different uh, types and, and whatever have always said, take a vow to do this, take a vow to do that. There's no vow like chanting the holy name. You want to take a vow? Mm. Take that vow. Mm. 
I will chant the holy name. No knowledge superior to it. No knowledge. No matter how much you go into philosophies and philosophies, there's no knowledge superior to chanting the holy name. No meditation which comes anywhere near it. Oh, but I like to meditate in this way. Oh, but I have my meditation. Oh, I figured out this matter. You know, the mountains are my yeah. meditation. You know, in terms of my stuff. You know, mountain biking is my meditation. Whatever. There is no meditation that comes anywhere near it. And it gives the highest result. The highest result. Nothing is equal. No penance is equal to it. Penance, sacrifice. Mm. You know, that's part of spiritual life. and Part of material life, too, if you want to be successful. This, this young girl, Emma, you know, I can tell you, she put in a lot of sacrifice to reach <laughs> uh, that goal. It's probably true, yeah. Mm -hmm. Gave up no a lot question. of things. Yeah. Gave up a lot, you know. But in spiritual life, yes, that's required. But there's no penance equal to it. Huh. Nothing is as potent or powerful as the holy name. Nothing. Uh, this is nothing. This is not like, oh, but this is also powerful. No, there's nothing as potent or powerful as the holy name. <laughs> Chanting is the greatest act of piety and the supreme refuge. Again, in spiritual life, you know, Bhagavad Gita, for instance, is talking about pious activities and impious activities, and the results are very, very different, you know. But there is no piety greater than the chanting of the holy names, see. And shelter, we're always looking for shelter. Yeah. This is the supreme refuge, the supreme shelter, you know. The Bible declares, you know, our help is in the name of the Lord. Mm. Save me, O Lord, by thy name. This is not just, you know, some teaching of some, you know, narrow sectarian belief system. This is universal, absolute truth, you know. So, uh, chanting is the highest path to liberation peace, and eternal life. Highest path. It doesn't say it's the only path there is. It's the highest path to liberation, peace, and eternal life. You know. It's got the power. It's got the potency. It's the most pleasing. It's, it's the greatest act of piety. You know. The pinnacle of devotion. You know. Again, we hear that word a lot in especially in spiritual, you know, discussion. Devotion, yeah. Devotion, mm. devotion, love and devotion. Yeah. yeah. But this is the pinnacle of devotion. If Devotion means I'm devoted to the one I love or the one I want to love. I'm devoted to this person. And so this is the pinnacle of devotion. The heart's joyous proclivity. I... That one really stuck out to me. I was going to say, oh, wow, beautiful. Uh, we're always feeling so empty in the heart, and, you know, the heart's just not, not happy, mm. you know. 
this is heart's joyous proclivity. In other words, we're inclined to this. This is, this is normal. This is the natural proclivity of the soul. See? And the soul is in the heart. You know, this is the heart's natural proclivity. But we've covered it up so much with garbage that we can't even experience that. So that's why one reason why the more you chant, the more attractive it is, you know, and, and the more joy it brings. Because you're taking away the it's, contamination around the heart of the heart, yeah. Yeah. And and the the true nature of the heart blossoms. Yeah. Mm. And it is also the heart's attraction. Same idea. This is natural for the soul to be attracted to the holy name. And is the best form of remembrance of the Supreme Lord. Yeah. Our major, major problem is we've forgotten the Lord. This is the best form of remembrance of the Supreme Lord. Chanting the holy names. Mm -hmm. The holy name has appeared solely for the benefit of the living entities as their Lord and Master. The holy name appears for our benefit. Mm -hmm. And again, you know, one may have an attitude like, well, I'm doing God a favor by doing this. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm doing God a favor. You know, out of my kindness and, and mercy, I'm doing the Lord a favor. You see? No, the holy name appears solely for the benefit of the living entities as their Lord and Master. This is for our benefit. You know? as our Lord and Master. Their supreme worshipable object, supreme worshipable object, and their spiritual guide and mentor. It's all there in the Holy Name. Wow. All there. <laughs> Whoever continuously chants Lord Krishna's Holy Name, even in his sleep, can easily realize that the name is a direct manifestation of Krishna himself in spite of the influences of Kali Yuga. And we talked about Kali Yuga, how that's the, the, the age of influence of demoniac qualities. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the influence to make it so you become more and more hard and greedy and angry and jealous and envious and just dark. That's Kali Yuga's influence. Quarrel, chaos, and confusion. Yeah. You see, hate. I mean, hate is just like so prominent. You know, hate you. No. In spite of all the influences of Kali Yuga, one can directly realize that this is a manifestation of Krishna himself. Realize. It's realized. No, by that practitioner. So it goes back to the discipline, the determination. And if we've got that training somewhere along the line, you know, like Emma, the tennis player, you know, if she somehow decided to take <laughs> the spiritual <Yeah>. life, 
all that discipline and training would be a huge plus. Yeah. That would be a great asset. That would be a, a, like no problem. Mm. <laughs> you know? I mean, in my own life, as I just you know been talking earlier about my childhood training, then I went into the military. Well, the military is all about discipline, yeah. as you well yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's all about <laughs> discipline and training. <laughs> so when I came to this this process, I met my spiritual master, Siddhasurupananda, and he introduced me to this teaching and the discipline required. It wasn't a big deal for me mm. at all. I was used to listening to authorities, you know. I, it wasn't like some unknown way to, to, to be, to live. Yeah. It was like, it was just a different authority, you know, and the discipline was, you know, a little bit different, but it was the same thing. What? You know, it was just redirected in a, in a different way, you know, different techniques, different requirements, but the same thing. So that was a big asset. I just had to say, which which is so beautiful, that it's not two separate worlds. Like you have your material life, and then you have you know your spiritual teacher, and that's where you go on Sundays and listen to, or at specific times, and you act in a certain way, and you do certain things. No, it's it's like it's it all it's all intertwined. Yeah. It's it's your life, and it yeah, yeah exactly. But the opposite is true. If you've had no discipline and you have n never accepted an authority, Excellent. then when you come, how are you going to, you know, you're going to be struggling. I mean, why should I accept you as authority? I mean, I never accept anybody else's authority. Why are you? <laughs> yep. You know, I mean, it's just like that rebellious nature just coming to the front, you know, or, you know, regularity in life and all those things is unknown. So it's going to be very, you're going to be struggling with that. So whatever, there's never any damage resulting from, but only good resulting from this foundation. Yeah. You know, discipline, respect, authorities, you know, be willing to give up something for a higher cause. Mm. Mm. On any level, material or, or spiritual, that's an asset. And that's human life. That's what human life is, you know. It, it's, it's what we are supposed to do with our human life. And human society is meant to teach us these assets so that we can bring them into our spiritual life and, and apply them to our real to to the real benefit, to the highest benefit. Yeah. 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 Wow. And then you can experience that joyous proclivity of the heart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's something that's real. So our time is up again. Yeah. <laughs> So let us end with our chanting. Yeah, let's do that. <clears throat> and again, we'll do the same mantra. If any listeners, you know, want to know one more mantra sometime, 
<coughs> Let us know. We have <laughs> But this one is Goranga Haribo.
Okay, so that's chanting, not so hard, not so much of an austerity. <laughs> <laughs> Yet the topmost austerity, or what, what you said, the topmost uh, penance. <laughs> the, yeah, it's the highest, highest of all penances and vows and austerities and pious activities, and it's fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, music is, where is the source of music? That's what so many people are into, music. And what's the source? The spiritual world. You know, that's where the music from. You know? Wow. So, <laughs> yeah, that's, again, a natural part of the soul's activities. In fact, <clears throat> this is an interesting thing we learned from the Vedic teachings. In the spiritual world, where everything is eternally perfect, every word is a song. They don't talk like we're talking now. <laughs> they sing. You know, kind of like operas. <laughs> oh, Ruben, how are you today? I am doing great. That kind of idea. <laughs> that was our opera. <laughs> yeah. So every word is a song and every step is a dance. Everybody's singing and dancing. Wow. Yeah. But in this world, every word is a curse word and every step is a drag. <laughs> so here we are again, the opposites. <laughs> yeah, but when we chant, we bring that spiritual world into our life. Uh, yeah, it's true. It's the holy name appeared for the benefit of the living entities. Okay, Ruben, we could carry it on and on, but we better end <laughs> it now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> eternally. So anyone we'll who's back. watching, thank you very much for doing so. Yeah. If you like what we're doing, you like these ideas and so on, you can subscribe, help us out. Yeah. Yeah. And also spread the link. Everybody's got friends. 
And so let them know about it. Maybe some of those friends will be interested. At least give them the chance to themselves decide whether, you know, whether or not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Thank I you, Akiya. that this podcast does exist. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, it's yeah. up to them, too. Okay, so thank you very much, and we'll see everybody next time. Awesome. Cool. Thank you, Valakia. <laughs> Namaste. <laughs> great quote. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening in. And if you have any questions, anything that you felt needed a deeper explanation, would we'll be happy to, to do that and discuss certain things in more detail. So let us know. Thoughts, comments, whatever it may be. You can contact us. If you go to breakingtrail.life, that's our website, you'll find both a contact form and our email and uh, you, you know there are also links there to all the previous episodes and uh, you can join our email list you can contribute to our podcast and uh, until next time stay true to yourself and dare to break trail <laughs>